Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to figure out which one does it better. And on this week's show, in the red corner... Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet are ending their relationship with a bit of light brain damage in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. While in the blue corner, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is using false memories to justify being a bad boyfriend in 500 Days of Summer. Hello, I'm Howard Mirziak, founder and president of Lacuna Incorporated. Why remember a destructive love affair? Here at Lacuna, we have perfected a safe, effective technique for the focused erasure of troubling memories. In a matter of hours, our patented non-surgical procedure will rid you of painful memories and allow you a new and lasting peace of mind you'd never imagined possible. Sorry. I said I love the Smiths. To die by your side is such a heavenly way to die. I love them. This is a story of boy meets girl. The boy, Tom Hansen, grew up believing that he'd never truly be happy until the day he met the one. But which film gets a second chance and which gets deleted from our memories? Let's find out in Clash of the Title. Hello, Clash Podders. I'm Chris Tilly. I think you should go next. Really? <laughs> yeah, you just sat that way. No, I figure I should go left. Oh, in fact, I'm Vicky Crumpton. And I'm Alex Zay. <laughs> Alex is back. Hello. Hello, Hi, Alex. Yeah, you're oh, right. Yeah, I'm very well. I've missed you guys. And I couldn't miss this show because it's a very special day, isn't it? It is. Mm. It is. So when you're listening to this, six days ago, it yeah. was Tim Curry's birthday. Yeah, we are recording right now <laughs> on the legend that is Tim Curry's actual birthday. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Happy birthday, TC, for Happy six days ago. Happy birthday. <laughs> I hope you had a good one. I do as well. Yeah, I'm sure I did. But it's good to have you back, Alex. Um, missed a few shows. That you, got, you received very little abuse in your absence. I don't know if you've been listening to the shows. Really? From us? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, of course. I thought oh. you meant just from people. Vicky, Vicky abused you a couple of times. Really? Yeah. What did you say? I can't remember. Maybe. So you haven't been listening? No. You got away with it. It's yeah, fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did listen. I did listen. I listened to um, which episode? Ghost. Ghost, mm. I very much enjoyed. Oh, thank Good. you. I actually, I've come here thinking, I was. I, I, to be perfectly honest, I was a little bit annoyed. I was a little bit annoyed how well it went without me. Of so. course you were. Yeah. <laughs> And every episode about twenty minutes shorter. You're 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 a twenty minute extra person, basically. Yeah, yeah. That's about it's about that's how about much right. I talk, and it I is. do it in one big go, <laughs> like twenty minutes solid, and that's it. But it's good to have you back. So, Vicky, uh, the films this week. Your clue was 
Uh, it was, are you feeling sad? Um, 18 months of nice weather will really change your mindset. Mm, convoluted, good, convoluted, yeah. but it's, lovely. You, I'm haunted by the time you once said to me the clues, like you, you think you can write, why are your clues so ugly? And I was like, they are ugly. And, it's, that, stayed, and that was ages ago you said so, that. Cool. Well, I, I couldn't be bothered on Twitter. I just wrote something about not being able to remember. Okay. Uh, the clue. I had a clue and then I forgot it and I'm right. going to spend the rest of the day remembering it. <laughs> and the guesses came in thick and fast and quickest on the draw was Darius Owen Canning. Oh, who got it right? No, that's a first timer. Is it a first timer? Yeah, I've, I think I'd remember, I've got a good memory for who wins. So yeah, congratulations, Darius, first yeah. time winner. Brilliant. You win a procedure to have your least favourite episode of the podcast removed from your mind. So let us know the pair and we'll make the appointment. <laughs> Probably the commute versus non-stop. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, your choices that I, I then took on. Uh, as are today's. Which, That's not true. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, Vicky, these are your choices. Yeah, I know. So why did you decide to nominate these films now rather than next Valentine's Day when we'd all agreed we were going to do this pair? I'm After so I added them to the Google document myself personally, I went, what's a good pairing I've come up with? I'll put mm. them on the Google document. And you just reached in there with your yeah. claw and plucked them out. <laughs> yeah. Your claw. They were, yeah, they were on the list in the Google thing, but I thought a listener had suggested them and I was going to message you to say get their name. But um, well done to our listener, Alex Zane, <laughs> for you. suggesting Eternal Sunshine. And they might have been it. suggested by the listeners. There's yeah. a lot of crossover. Yeah. No, no, no. no. They were mine. They were yours. They were mine, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess we've got to rethink next Valentine's Day, our anti-Valentine yeah. pair. Sorry about that. They were perfect for anti-Valentine's. <laughs> just, I mean, one of them takes place on Valentine's but it was Day. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, connection section then. Valentine's Day. <laughs> he writes Valentine's Day cards. Oh, the other yeah. one is very good. On Valentine's Day. Yep. Uh, everything's told as a memory because it's all it, obviously it's all in the mm. manly's heads. What you're seeing. Yeah, you're not watching a woman for lots of the films. You're watching a man's memory of a woman. Of a woman. Yeah. All right. Well, let me follow on with that with anti pixie dream girls. Yeah. Anti-Manic Pixie Dream Girls masquerading as Manic Pixie Dream Girls to be discussed in brackets. Okay, cool. Because Kate Winslet as Clementine, to me, initially was the ultimate Manic Pixie Dream Indeed. Girl. Indeed. And then Summer isn't. I think the other way around. I think the argument is that Kate Winslet very much isn't okay. a Manic Pixie Dream Girl from something that I'll get onto when we sure. talk about it. That sounds interesting. Whereas there is a very strong argument that even though Mark Webb, the director of 500 Days Disputes, Summer still is a, a manic pixie dreams girl. Okay. Yeah. So making boys loosen up by doing quite much dangerous things, mm. which is what manic pixie dream girls do. Yeah. The couple, the central couple make a connection on a train. Meeting on a train. Mm. Uh, the things you love about the partner, the things you hate. So true. Mm. Sketching your girlfriend slash non-girlfriend in a sketchbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> slash journal. <laughs> pretty, pretty horrific drawings as well. It's just the our whole idea of it. What you do, are you drawing me? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> uh, Vomit. <laughs> I know, I can't believe she doesn't go, draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> the temptation. <laughs> Their worlds literally come crashing down. It's, it's a car in eternal sunshine, which is sort of showing his mind crashing and uh, that drawing of him as a lone figure and all the cityscape disappearing. Oh, good. Mm. Yeah. I mean, this is this this is the reason um, I I chose these films, not Alex. But um, <laughs> in order to help make their point, I mean, this is very obvious. But they've both got a, an aesthetic touch to them, like a quirkiness to them that you steps outside of the bounds of the real world. Mm. Mm. In order to make their point. And quite similar, quite different. <laughs> I've just started. It's not finished yet. I'm drawing you just so you can now feel like someone has drawn you. Alex, I know you've been away for a while, but we don't draw (laughs) while we're podcasting. (laughs) 
That is a golden rule. <laughs> it's not a bad start. It's not a horrible Let's have a look. Picture. Let's have a look. <laughs> I haven't got any eyes. Not yet. <laughs> oh, lovely. That's, that's My face looks fat, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think they both maybe have ambiguous endings. They could both potentially be seen as miserable, depressing endings with our protagonist not learning anything. That's a good question. And that potentially going to make the same mistake again. But we can talk about it for both films. Mm. It's interesting this week. So let's get on with it. On Thursday, I'll be getting into summer, meaning today we're winning hearts and losing minds. <laughs> Alex, please take us on a journey. I shall. Joel goes for a walk on a beach in Montauk, where he meets Clementine. They start chatting and decide they like each other. But faster than you can say, so far so rom-com, it turns out they'd been in a two-year relationship that had turned sour and she'd had him erased from her memory in a move Joel's friends describe as impulsive but still required two separate doctor's appointments as well as gathering up every single memento and trinket from her home that reminds her of Joel. We'll come back to that. Anyway, Joel decides to have the procedure too, only to then backtrack halfway through, which is a big no-no in any medical procedure. Wait, you've only got one fake boob! Now he and Clementine, who isn't really Clementine, but his memory of Clementine, end up playing hide-and-seek in his brain, trying to escape the procedure. Eventually Clementine, but really Joel, tells him to meet her at Montauk, where it turns out the real Clementine just happens to be, and you start to wonder if the film that you once hailed as one of the best scripts ever might actually be all smoke and mirrors. And also that ending, happy, sad, other, disgust, ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration. Eternal sunshine in the spot's mind. Did you say that all in one breath? <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So that's the synopsis of a movie that I was really, really, really worried about writing the synopsis for. Okay. Oh, see, I think you messaged and said, which film do you want to do, Chris? Or we'd not decided. And I was I was very happy to pass this one off to you. I watched it, made my notes and thought, I don't want to talk through this film. <laughs> this is too confusing. Alex can handle it. All right, strap in. What are your memories of this movie? Your histories with the film? I'll start. I watched it. For the third time this week, mm. uh, first time was when I reviewed it for MTV. Thought it was incredible. Got very emotional the first time I saw it. Gave it a glowing review. Watched it a second time and still loved it, possibly even more so because like Michelle Gondry says, you get more or a different experience watching this the second time because of what you know from the first time. Come to this third time, watching it with the clinical gaze that comes from being on this podcast, I have a few issues with it. Mm. Sort of similar. I saw it when it came out and I really enjoyed it and I love the visuals and I love the you know what Michelle Gondry does. I was just because it was my first view and I was just so annoyed by Clementine. So very, very annoyed by her. This mm. oh, yeah, so this is my second time. Right, okay. So second time round, um I just wanted to see I, I I feel completely different about both films second time round. Okay. Interesting. T TBD. Yeah, I thought you would because you, you, we've talked before in the pub about your dislike for Clementine in this film. Yes. So I was really interested to see. Yeah. Now And now I know it's your second mm. watch. That is really interesting. Yeah. This will be good because I've got some quotes from Kate Winslet about what she saw Clementine as. Oh, interesting. Mm. Uh, so the first time I watched it was at the cinema and I found it exhilarating and I absolutely loved it. Uh, the second time, I didn't enjoy it as much. Oh, uh, but partly because I just found it so much more troubling and distressing the second time. It just really got to me in a way that I found uncomfortable. And this was my third watch. Okay. I will say Nettie, of these two movies, was very much looking forward to 500 Days of Summer and not this. She said, mm. "This why do we have to watch this? It's depressing. And I said, it, it's for work, uh, it being the main reason. But she was not keen <laughs> on seeing this. I was like, I don't remember it being that depressing. 
which we'll discuss. Yeah. So uh, let me tell you a little bit about the movie. Uh, Michel Gondry and his artist pal called Pierre Bismuth are chatting in 1998 about the idea of erasing someone from your memory. And now this it came about because Pierre asked a girl who'd broken up with her boyfriend if she'd have her ex erased, and she said, oh, oui. <laughs> so let's do this up front before we get into it. Would either of you have a previous relationship erased from oh. your memory, Chris? Oh, I need thinking time. Vicky. I have thought about it. Right. No, I wouldn't. Okay. The things we've been through make us the people we are for good or for bad facts. If you feel like it at the time, the pain is unbearable. Mm. But once you come through the other side, you, you know, it informs who you are. So it's important. So okay. no, I wouldn't. Okay, ditto for me. I'll keep it brief. That's pretty much my answer. Chris. Yeah, the same, the same. But what I would like to do is be able to pick and choose nights to have erased. Okay. <laughs> just, just bad nights. <laughs> so less to do with them, more to do with you. Your yeah, behavior. probably. Yeah. Probably. I'd like to erase myself from their memory. <laughs> I don't think that's oh my allowed. God, that's actually true. That's what I would much rather. Yeah. Yeah. In the morning after, you're like, I just I mean, wish they'd forgotten really that I said that, that thing. <laughs> don't really storm off like that. Was that really my parting line? Oh, God. I really oh, thought I sounded that, like a badass. That French phrase, the spirit of the stairs, l'esprit d'escalier. Do you know that? No. So I don't know if this is true, but you, you know you read those things like, they have no equivalent in English, and they do because you can just say the spirit of the stairs, but it's a French idea of the parting shot that you never got to say. So mm. you're, you're down the stairs or you're up the stairs when it comes to you, the best thing that you should have said but you haven't said it and the mm. feeling you get is the spirit of the stairs mm. yeah it's good isn't it makes sense it's a good that's good <sighs> that's <was> bloody French <laughs> so uh, initially uh, Pierre Bismuth uh, had planned to carry out an art experiment based on this idea where he'd send people cards saying someone uh, saying, the uh, saying that someone had had the recipient of this card erased from their memory this is an art experiment so he could study their reaction uh, in the end, he didn't do it, which I think is probably a good idea. It sounds fucking awful. Mm. <laughs> what, it's just what, an art experiment with measurable results. He's, and... a, he's a reactionary artist, apparently. Okay. So, yeah. No, I, don't I mean, know. good, obviously, great. I, I don't know. Are you there when they get the card filming them going, <laughs> yeah. hey? Do you give a shit? No? Great. Uh, but like I said, in the end, he didn't do it. Uh, so uh, we never got that very French version of punked. <laughs> uh, he and Gondry instead, along with Charlie Kaufman, decide to develop this into a story which generates a lot of interest. Uh, Gondry says uh, it generated a lot of interest because they pitched it in a way that made people think it was a sci-fi movie, i.e. lying. <laughs> there, is a Chris, there is a Christopher Nolan version of this film that would look and feel very different. Uh, there, there is, and we'll get onto it because Kaufman is very funny about that. Uh, so they say... Sell the pitch to a guy called Steve Golin uh, for a low seven-figure sum. Uh, a pitch Kaufman eventually turned into a screenplay for the film, but not before writing adaptation, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, and Gondry's directorial debut, Human Nature, which didn't do very well and mm. no one really liked. Yeah. So a few years later, like you said, Chris, when uh, Kaufman begins to write this, Chris Nolan had already released Memento which makes Charlie Kaufman think this idea has already been done uh, and he decides he doesn't want in. He's out. He tries to pull out of it. He says, I totally freaked out. I thought, oh, no, I can't do this anymore. I called Michelle and said, I'm not doing it. Then we called Steve Golan and said, we're not doing it. Steve Golan was very angry and said, you're doing it. So we did it. <laughs> I'm thinking more of Inception, though, than Memento. This I isn't was, like yeah. Memento. I mean, it's, it's two central people in that and the memory loss, but uh, yeah, I was thinking of Inception. Mm. 
and and just the technology and stuff, the way Nolan uses technology. I love that this is just the uh, the anti Nolan of the sort of <laughs> analog <laughs> lo fi version oh. of it. <laughs> yeah. When we get into the movie and the amount of time that is spent discussing the sci fi element of this so movie much. is. It's it's actually beautiful to behold. Yeah, it may be the most efficient piece of writing to get rid of an idea in a movie I've ever seen. No, the most efficient piece of writing to do that is it's called the flux capacitor. It's what makes time travel possible. Done. Literal actual line. <laughs> uh, so, Kaufman, as you'd imagine, describes writing this as an enormous struggle. I've got a quote from him. He says it was because he was trying to work out, and uh, as as a writer, Victoria, uh, and indeed Chris, and indeed anyone who writes, as as a <laughs> sentence, this makes me queasy. He struggled with the memories, Joel's reaction to the memories, and Joel interacting with Clementine outside of the memories in the memories. Yeah. Makes me feel sick. Yeah, but then you go, oh, there. look at that. Law seven figures means one million pounds. <laughs> so you've got, oh, so I can do it. I think I can just about knuckle yeah. down and get it buy, done. Buy a couple of whiteboards. Yeah. Steve Golden was angry. He said, give me my fucking seven figures back. Uh, Charlie Kaufman, as we established, doesn't like the term sci-fi. Uh, he likes to think of it as uh, something with a bit of sci-fi, but mainly fantasy. He wanted to make it as real as possible, focus on the characters. Jim Carrey expressed an interest in taking the lead role of Joel. Uh, Gondry said it was interesting because he was so removed from what we saw or what I read in the script, but he thought he'd be great, Which and he's got a really good reason for thinking why Jim Carrey might be great. Because of all that energy he spends in most of his roles physically, he'd have to keep inside, which would make his performance more intense. Okay. Yeah, and he said, you know, um, Carrey got his break on a show called In Living Colour, mm. which was like an African-American version of Saturday Night Live. He was the one white guy in yeah. it. And Gondry said he was watching an episode once, a rerun, and at the end they're all dancing to hip-hop at the end. And he's just sort of standing on the side looking very lonely. And he said, "I wanted to, I, that lonely man is who I wanted mm. in this movie. Okay. And I think the more we get to know Jim Carrey since he made this film, the more he does seem more like this character than maybe some of the other characters he's played. Yeah, definitely. I think know, much more, a much more introspective, serious person mm. than we've been led to believe. Yeah. Uh, Kate Winslet described being in the movie as Clementine was the most eccentric part that I've ever played. I mean, you wouldn't imagine that Jim Carrey and I would ever do a movie together. <laughs> and having the Jim Carrey part was pretty terrifying. It was such an unlikely pairing because I've played Ophelia and he was Ace Ventura Pet Detective. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, good for her. Rude. Yeah, what a dick. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. when I read that quote. I was like, I hope he was sitting next to her and this is just Thanks. the print version. I'm reading it in prose going, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Did you, did you read about the fear, though, that Gondry had that Kerry was going to pull out because Human Nature was about to be released? Oh, no. So Human Nature was about to come out and it was clear it, it had gone badly wrong and the, 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 the um, reviews were bad and it was projected to earn very little money. So he... He, he um, begged Kerry to come out for dinner with him and he says, uh, Michelle and I sat in this restaurant and he made me sign a napkin saying when human nature came out and was a bomb, I wouldn't let him go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oscar nomination for Kate Winslet uh, and a win for Best Original Screenplay for Pia Bismuth, Michelle Gondry and Charlie Kaufman and a hit, only $20 million. $20 million it cost uh, and made $74 million. Mm. Brilliant. Any more for any more? No, no. Right, let's go through this film then. So, Joel wakes up and sets off for work. 
There's a dent in his car that he assumes his neighbour made while parking before he impulsively decides to take the train to the beach in Montauk. We get some narration. Does this pass the Crompton test <laughs> yes. of narration? Mm. I think it does. Okay, why do you think it does? Because I think it's sparse and... It's not. It's it's. It's talking, more like mumblings, isn't he's it? He's talking yeah. about what's going on in his head and yeah. his sort of musings about Valentine's Day being a cynical thing. And yeah, I think there's some key things as well, which we'll come to in a moment. Like when he's got his journal out mm-hmm. and in his head he's going, "It appears that the last entry I made was two years ago." Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, that is key information that I don't know how else we'd get across." Well, you could. I know the how date, you do it. Yeah, you <laughs> could read the date there, <laughs> the and then page is missing, yeah. and then the next day, this two is an years later, extremely visually him, arresting him, movie, and him the looking for the pages. Dick, jump off the page. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would be fine. Okay, apart from that or narration, I can't think of any what, other of, way. Almost the easiest thing to represent on screen what you've just described, Alex. It's literally a date and a missing date. All right, I just like his narration. I think it's sort of it adds to the atmosphere. It doesn't feel... Because they apparently uh, Michelle Gondry had a mass... They had a big debate about whether to use it, whether not to use it, and then how much to use. And I think it's sparse enough yep. that it, it adds to it rather than becomes overbearing. I would give it a pass just because it's character as well as information. So mm. that's good. Okay. Sometimes when it's just information, you're like, you lazy bastards, find another way of doing it. But when you are um, displaying someone's character as well, okay, fine. And I think the lead character in a Charlie Kaufman movie is almost always Charlie Kaufman, yeah. isn't it? They're, yes. they're, they're always avatars for him. And he just I think he just has this need to tell you how he, his worldview yeah. over and over again. And so, I mean, that's, that's his thing. Mm. It is his thing. Um, it is one of the few times, though, in the movie, which is why it's so fun to watch a second time round when you're all geared up for, like, I'm going to listen to every single detail. I think that, and there's one other time where you were told that this is two years, um, there's two years that they've been together. Like, you know, it's mm. insinuated that they've been in a relationship for two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they start talking on the train in your classic rom-com meet cute, chatting about her hair dye colours, blue ruin. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, OK, so we'll just we'll start getting into it, but then we'll get into it loads later. Right. So uh, f- this is real Clementine mm. and she's doing the thing where she's like, she's come over to talk to him for no reason, but it's you don't know that at the time, but obviously they, the two actors do a good job of being drawn to each other, but they don't know why. So you... Manic. She's hammered. She's, she's, she's hammered and this is after you've seen her going through some shit with Elijah Wood's character, Patrick. So she's clearly a bit fucked up at this yeah. point because of the procedure and because I think he's been using Joel's writing to get to her, yeah. which is clearly a reminder of Joel. So I think you get a little bit... What I didn't get first time around, which I did get second time around, was when she says something like, it's something like, oh, I, I use hair dye instead of personality. I'm the sort of girl that dyes my hair to make up for a lack of pill, or something like that. Mm. The first time you see it, you're like, oh God, don't do that. But the second time, you see that she clearly is upset and there's something, there's a lot going on. So she undercuts herself in that moment and it's that's mm. much more textured and more realistic and people, you know, we all say stupid things that you think, well, you know, in someone, in front of someone that you're flustered by as well, you do say stupid stuff. The first time around, just being quite savage, you're like, oh, I hate people like that. I think that's also there, isn't it, as well, to, to warn us as the audience that, that she's going to have different coloured hairs at different points in this film. Which is very helpful. Which, yeah, to help, to help <laughs> yeah. us through the, through yeah. the, the two storylines. And hands down, this is some of the greatest wig work I've ever seen. I yeah. can't believe that's not her real hair. Or is it not? It's not. No, it's wigs because obviously they were shooting different scenes mm. all yeah. out of order. So she just swapped the wigs in and out. Uh, wig fans, her favourite was the red. Oh, great. Mm, that's what she liked the most. Uh, but I think at first appearances, you see, like, this is, she is your classic manic pixie dream girl. Mm. 100%. So we should do this now because we've talked about it before on the show, but uh, I mean, just in case 
you don't know where this term came from. Mm. It was a film critic in 2006, a very well-respected film critic. Uh, Nathan Rabin coins the term based on Kirsten Dunst's character in Elizabeth Town to describe a bubbly, shallow, cinematic creature that exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Mm-hmm. Now, that's his definition. Clementine isn't that, as we discover as this film goes on. Right now, she could well be, mm-hmm. but she isn't. And I think the most fascinating thing is this movie predates the coining Does it? of that term. <laughs> Does it? Yeah. yeah. So this is 2004, mm. yeah. and that term was coined in 2006. Mm. Oh, and that's yet, interesting. Kaufman, Spot on. Yeah. Kaufman has, a, has literally her say the words that takes down the mm. entire idea of a manic pixie dream girl before it's even created when she says... Too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive, but I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Which is brilliant, but any woman that goes, I'm just a fucked up girl, you need to run away from as fast as possible because real people don't talk like that. <laughs> like, it's, it's, show, it's fine, I get it for her. It's showy, it's artifice. It's, I'm just fucked up, please rescue me. Or I've got it all figured out. No, I don't. It's, God, it, dry, it makes me, it sets my teeth on edge. But... When she says it in his memory, I get why a man like him wants a girl to sound like that. Because a girl that sounds like that isn't real, so doesn't have any real problems. Do you know what I mean? And again, when she does say that, it is, like you say, it's very subjective because it's in his memory. So it's how he's remembering what she said. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Winslet describes her as I had to be prepared uh, to let people dislike her at times because she's a bit of a bitch but at the same time you sense her confusion about who she is in her life she's very very vulnerable underneath all that stuff this is the thing she pre- she presents as I'm emotionally open and you're not Joel and I've got it all figured out but actually I am as needy as a child mm. and so there's such a contrast between I, oh, you know, when someone keeps saying repeatedly, but again, it's in his memory. I'm impulsive. I'm impulsive. It's like, if you keep saying it, then you're probably not. <laughs> because it's that thing, you know, let someone else say it. You just like, I'm great. I'm fun. I do whatever. But the making him do something dangerous is a trope of Manic Pixie Dream Girls. And obviously lying backwards on the ice and all of that, mm. which is coming up. Which is the next thing. Yeah, lying backwards on the ice next to a, a massive crack that she made with a bum. Uh, <laughs> when she fell over. Uh, then we get the weird moment of Elijah Wood's Patrick appearing at the window of the car saying, can I help you? And fade to black. So now it's the titles. Mm. And it's yesterday evening. Uh, Joel is driving back from, as we find out, having just confronted Clementine or gone to see Clementine in Barnes and Noble for her to look straight through him. Mm. He's also organised the procedure at this point because they're pulling up outside his house, Stan and Patrick. How's this for clever, though? I think this is clever. I tried to find some of the cleverest stuff in a very clever film (laughs) that I hadn't spotted before. So in the car, when he's crying during the titles, he's listening to Everybody has Got to Learn Sometime by mm. Beck on cassette because it was clearly him that's in Clementine's song, which is why he throws it out of the window. Mm-hmm. Yep. We linger on the cassette. He's already been to Lacuna mm-hmm. at this point and he's been told to hand them all the trinkets in any memory of Clementine, but he hasn't given them that cassette mm-hmm which is why throughout the film, little bits of everybody's got to learn sometime play throughout the memories because he's still holding on to that memory mm. of Clementine okay. because he hasn't given it away to mm. be erased. That makes sense. And so that's why he's able to cling on from it. Cling yeah. On. Oh, that's really good. Mm. Yeah. Great. Good spot. That's a song that um, Gondry fell in love with in the 80s. And since the 
mid eighties, he'd wanted to put that somewhere in a film, and he was mates with Beck, and he was telling Beck about it, and Beck was like. Guess what? I've just recorded. And it was kids, mate. He couldn't believe his luck. <laughs> so, uh, like I said, Joel goes home. He's about to have the procedure. Uh, we meet his neighbour, Frank, uh, originally intended to be played by Tracy Morgan. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, Gondry really wanted him. Uh, apparently, they I think they shot some scenes with him as the neighbour. Mm. And then he said, look, I love you. You're a genius. Uh, but unfortunately, he just plays Tracy Morgan mm. and it would take people out of the movie. Did you see though that Vanity Fair when they when they've got that information they got in touch with Tracy Morgan's people to ask him about that and he says he has no memory of it. Never happened. <laughs> That's disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, although he did have that terrible accident. He didn't did. He? No, he did. So yeah. maybe 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 something to do with that. Or is he playing a game? Is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh. Mind? Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, the movie's too complex. Don't stop playing games outside. <laughs> A really complicated movie. Joel takes his pill. He passes out. Fade to black. And now, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, we are in Joel's memories. And we see the process beginning with his most recent memory of him just chatting to his neighbour, Frank, which is so clever because, first of all, you realise that the memories are going to go in reverse. Mm -hmm. That's made clear from the off. So it's starting with the most recent. And also, when he meets his neighbour, Frank, in real life on the stairs... Frank says the only Valentine's Day cards I get from are from my mother. How pathetic is that? Joel's memory of that moment, I only get Valentine's Day cards from my mom. How sad is that? The line has changed to show you that everything Joel's oh. remembering is subjective. Oh, okay. I'm glad you're paying this much attention, Alex. This yeah, is that's impressive. great. It's pretty clever. That's really good. Uh, it's yeah. pretty clever. Very good. Um, and so uh, we see him finding out from his friend Rob, played by the always good David Cross, uh, that she had the treatment to have all memories of Joel erased. We see him visit Lacuna, uh, which means blank in Portuguese. Uh, numerous things uh, here show us just how little interest, as I said at the start, Gondry and Kaufman have in the sci-fi element of this movie. <laughs> first of all, obviously, how lo-fi Lacuna is. Yeah, mm. I like your first it. One. It's, it looks like a benefits office, it's, but actually with good customer service. Um, although you, it, it's the sort of place you go, absolutely not. Like a bad dentist. <laughs> I am not having you <laughs> dipping into my brain. Michelle, on the commentary, Michelle Gondry says, it's like going to Kenco to have your brain fixed. <laughs> <laughs> but more importantly is this, this exchange, and this, this is the way they deal with the entire sci-fi premise of this movie. Joel sits down to talk to Dr. Howard and says, this is a hoax, right? I mean, this is Clem. Dr. Howard says, I assure you, no. Joel says, there's no such thing as this. Dr. Howard says, our files are confidential, so I can't provide you evidence. And that's it. That's it. From then on, it is accepted wholly by everyone that this is just a thing that yep. can be done. Yep. I think Get Out does a similar thing where that's similarly lo-fi and you've got that video, but nothing really gets explained. I mean, how can you put that into this brain, brain transplant nonsense? But um, yeah, that's how these films should deal with this stuff, honestly. Don't get bogged down but it also, bolts. And it also lets you know that there's not going to be any mystery about the, is it real, is it not? Has she no, really yeah, had it done? Yeah. So you're not sort of, it doesn't say the thriller element of this is going to be unpicking the science of this, whether yeah. the procedure really happened. It's about two people and this has definitely happened. Mm -hmm. uh, so he goes back to see his friends, Robin Carey, and Carey describes, and I do want to talk about this, she said, Clem did this because, you know, Clem, she's impulsive. She did decided to erase you almost as a lark. Mm. Now, we know at this point that, you know, two appointments, collecting all the belongings, It's it feels like something that can't be 
that impulsive. Yeah. So why is that information there? And yet, doesn't he do it quite impulsively, though, as well? He just simply, as soon as he hears that she's done it, bang, it triggers him doing it. But he did it as a reaction Mm. to her, you know. I mean, she doesn't discuss it with him. Like, this idea that, what is it, why why are we told that piece of information? In In a script this clever... There must be reason. So it's either, it's one of two things as far as I can tell. It's either his friends just like make it up to try and soften the blow Mm -hmm. for him or it's there to make us believe as the audience that maybe she made a mistake and they do belong together and it by saying it was an impulsive reaction, it's like she hasn't thought this through and Joel and Clem are soulmates. Yep, Uh, I think that's it. Mm. Or it's like the thing you just said, which actually... They sat down and they gave him a really long explanation about why their relationship was toxic and, of course, she wants to get rid of it. And he didn't hear that. He just heard her she did it for a laugh because that's what he thought she was like. And it was too rough to hear the truth. So his brain has glossed over it and gone, that's just something she would do. And it's got nothing to do with me. Yeah, that's good as well. Yeah. That's good as well. Uh, So Joel decides if she can do it, he can do it. So if it's off back to Lacuna in his memory, um, what I love is that despite the crazy freaking structure of this movie, all the mental loops, everything the script does, bang on 25 minutes (laughs) without fail, plot point one, a.k.a. the point of no return, which for this film, it literally is. He decides to have the procedure. That's... That's great. It's clever. It's just like, you know, you you sort of, you watch this movie like and sort of go, God, it's the structure. Like, whoa, how have they done that? It's amazing. And actually, it still regimentally follows a movie's actual structure. Shit happens when it should. Although being Charlie Kaufman, he definitely doesn't bother with a save the cat moment. <laughs> He's not interested in making you like them. I beginning. don't know. I think that's it. The first time around, I didn't think much of Joel. As in, I did, he's mm. a bit of a blank. But the second time round, because I knew how it was all going to turn out, I was more alert to like red flags about him. And I think the writers want me to think he's a bit of a dick. Yeah, and I think what you don't realise the first time when you're watching it is, I mean, he seems quite a depressed person, but actually he's got brain damage, basically. Yeah. He's waking up from having had the procedure, from having had a load of drugs and from having had a bunch of memories removed at the start of this movie. So that, I think, explains some of his behaviours early on. Yeah. I think it's just his memory. Obviously, it's his memory, but his memory of... Clementine, when they've had an argument, is very much in his favour kind of thing. Of course it is, yeah. Um, but also, just like red flags when he's just woken up from the procedure and he meets her in Montauk and he's, he sees her looking at him across from the table and he's like, why do you always fall in love with anyone who shows you the least bit of attention? First time round, you're like, oh, that's just a trope of a man like this. But then second time round, you're like, yeah, that, why do you do that, actually? Because if you, that's not a good thing in your life. Like, you should be more... Uh, critical about that in yourself. So I think I'm meant to think, yes, he's a bit of a dickhead, which I do. So well done. And so isn't there isn't there also a line in narration, I think it is, where he says he can't make eye contact with um with a girl he likes and then on the train he makes direct eye contact yeah. with her. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh because you're like, oh stop stop modelling yourself on a loser when you're actually quite confident. But then you realise that he loves her. Well, the, the balancing moments are, he, so they have a big row in a minute where he sort of says the most he said for ages, which is you the, you get people to like you by fucking them. Mm. And you think, okay, I haven't seen that in her actually. So that's your opinion of her. So you think, oh, you're a bit of a dick. But then, and then actually in a minute, she's like, I want a baby. And it's mm. like, and he's like, well, you can't have a baby. But yeah, and but, that's, yeah. But if you say, I want a baby in a baby voice, you aren't ready for a baby. So he's right <laughs> about that. But then he lays into her a bit. Um, 
and he tied his own hair. Do you know when they go out for dinner? Yeah, they're in their kangs. Yeah, and mm. the look she, because she's Ophelia, so she's a very good actor, but the look she gives him when he tied his own hair, mm. that's the balance restored, even if you believe his memory that she's a bit infantile and needy and uh, whatever, a bit of a slut, blah, blah, blah. But when he moves her hair, it's like you are, that's quite, that's not controlling, but it's just a dick thing to do to someone. I do that to Alex all the time. Yeah, he does. Oh, do you? That's I quite know. sweet. His hair gets in his eyes. That's quite sweet because your power balance is equal. Well, I, 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 I trust him. I, I know, I know <laughs> he knows how scruffy. my hair looks best. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know he's doing the right thing. It's all about trust. It's all about trust. Yeah, the line in that argument that I that really gets me isn't like they um, have like fucking people to make them like you. It's the bit where she goes, oh, and now you're trying to work out if I fuck somebody. Yeah. And he says, no, I assume you fuck somebody Yeah, else. but that's huge. Like That's like, wow, we we're entering your relationship at the end. Has has there been infidelity? How did you, did you see it before? Has it happened a million times? Like, that's so brutal. Mm. But you never see anything like that later on. Which is weird. Mm. Yeah. It's because you... I mean, you do, obviously. It goes in reverse. So you start with the worst and then things get better, which is a brilliant way of doing it. Because yeah. by the end, you're like, well, they belong together. <laughs> yeah. But if you remember the start, you're like, why are they together? Yeah. It's, it's, they, they really don't belong together. Yeah. But maybe there is no evidence for that because maybe it didn't happen and he just said it to upset her. It's, and if that's true, but you don't know that because you, if you say you're watching it for the first time, you're like, well, we're going backwards. So we are going to see the mm. point that he caught her with someone else and that's horrible and blah, blah, blah. But if he just said something like that, just cause, well, that's awful. Mm. Uh, right then, let's take a quick break before we talk about a moment that Gondry wanted to remove before something happened. Ooh, cliffhanger. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Right then, so uh, Joel, in his memory, is gathering up all his stuff to take to Lacuna, all the trinkets, all the mementos to erase Clem. Um, Gondry felt this was too much like a movie moment, that it wasn't real, the idea of gathering up all your stuff and putting it in a box, and he was going to cut it out. And then during the editing procedure, exactly the same thing happened. He broke up with his girlfriend, and he had to gather up all her stuff and put it in a box and said... Nope, it's real. Um, <laughs> left it in the movie. Mm. Uh, I just thought it would feel impossible. Like when you're really cut up, everything, you're like, that fork that I use reminds me of you because you hated that fork. Mm. I mean, it's the littlest things. I assume they live together wrongly. Uh, they clearly don't live together because everything falls apart because she would, they'd be collecting up the same mementos from the same apartment. Mm. But after two years, I, it's sort of like she wants a baby, but they don't even live together. Yeah, which does that make her a needy reaching for something idiotic? Mm. or is that on him that she's trying to do this big step to take the next step I don't know uh, that girlfriend you mentioned um, he used to they used to play a game together where they would pretend they were dead 
Oh, really? Uh, which is obviously, you see that in the film. And the, as you say, they broke up during the editing process and he said he pretended to commit suicide in the bath of the last night they were together. And she thought it was hilarious. Great. And I'm glad I'm not Michelle Gondry's girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Just enough fucking James. Wow. That's like uh, Rules of Attraction. James Vanderbeek does it mm. in that. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not funny there either. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny there either. Um, sure. uh, so when Joel's on his way back to Lacuna to have the procedure, he's crossing the road with his bin bags and he nearly gets run over by a van. Do you hear what the van driver shouts? Hey, buddy, wake up. Oh, nice. Oh, great. Great stuff. Because even then, like even before he's having, you know, mm. his subconscious, not his subconscious, he already knows that he doesn't want this procedure. Uh, he ends up in the waiting room next to a woman who's erasing all the memories of a dead dog buster. Yeah. So nice. could I have the FA Cup semi-final race from my brain if you could have a dog race then you turn up expecting to go to the <laughs> final <laughs> good point <laughs> doesn't work uh, and then he's also next to a guy did you see it, it actually takes the time to follow Joel's eyes onto what the guy's holding which is a box with what looks like a, a, a kind of high school baseball sports trophy yeah, yeah. in it and I spent uh, quite a long time wondering who he was having erased. Like, because initially your reaction is, because he's an old, out of shape guy. Mm. And you, you think, like, oh my God, his son's passed away mm. or his daughter's passed away. That's what I thought, yeah. And he's having their memory erased. Mm. But you wouldn't want that. No. You wouldn't want, like, the death of a child because then you'd lose, like, the memory of that child, which no one someone wants. Someone might do. want. Grief might be that bad that someone mm. might want that. I like to think it's okay. because he's old and out of shape. And when he was in high school, he was a jock and thought he was going to have this glittering sports That's career. What I it was, yeah. And so he's having all the memories of being brilliant at high school removed yeah. so that it doesn't make him feel shit every day for being a sad old man. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. I think it's that. <laughs> Definitely dead kid. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. Um, oh. You're right, Alex. Yeah, it's it's just, been a while. It's flipping heck, man. It's this is, of all the movies to come back to as well. <laughs> as part of the erasing procedure, uh, Joe has to record on cassette the story of how he met Clementine on a party on a beach two years ago. And we find out that he'd been in a relationship with a woman called Naomi. Now, Charlie Kaufman fought and lost to have scenes with Naomi included in the movie. Oh, really? Uh, oh, for really, really valid reasons. Like uh, When you hear what Catherine says, you sort of go, oh, yeah, I actually get that. He says, I really like the story element of having her there so we understand a little bit about where Joel came from and who he was and how she contrasted with Clementine. Also, the fact that he had to make a decision that was so monumental, which I don't think is clear in the film now. Have you watched the deleted scene? I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, they're all out there. I mean, they're good. But as Carey says, it's sort of he has such a connection with this actress that it kind of took away from the story between him and Clementine. Apparently, Carey really was very upset with yes, Gondry for very. casting uh, Ellen Pompeo. Yeah, I've got the quote. It. I've got the quote from Vanity Fair. Um, yeah. To this day, Carey swears Gondry cast Ellen Pompeo because of her glancing resemblance to Rene Zellweger, with whom he'd just broken up with. I was pretty hurt. Michelle likes to have real feelings in this scene and real chemistry, so he hired Ellen, who's a wonderful actress, but she reminded me completely of Renee. Her look was similar, and I said bastard, and it ends up that she's not even in the movie. Um, but she does. She has got that. She looks a bit like Karen. She has got that similar to her voice, which is quite a distinctive voice. I don't know. Not everything's about you, Jim. 
one of the highest Gondry paid. Gondry's a pretty messed up guy though when it comes yeah, to working on set <laughs> oh yeah there's a thing later uh, we'll talk about uh, but yeah she's uh, Ellen Pompeo one of the highest paid actresses in the world Grey's Anatomy Grey's fucking Anatomy <laughs> Because I was like, I haven't seen it. This is the, her penultimate film as well. Like she oh, made right. one more after this and then Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so um, it, it's made clear now we're in Joel's head and because of, cheat here, because of something, something, voltage and connections, uh, this is how they get round the fact that they can show Joel being aware that he's in his memory. Right. Because yeah, the bit with Stan sort of like going, oh, something's not right, and Patrick mm-hmm. fiddling around with the wires, and that's when Carey becomes aware that he's in a memory, which shouldn't normally happen in this procedure, mm-hmm. which is, you know, as Kaufman says, this is how we got round the idea of have him being able to talk to Clementine as though he's outside his memories while being inside his memories. Yep. Oof. So... um We've got uh, the Lacuna team now. Let's talk about these guys. Stan and Patrick, and then later Mary. Uh, first of all, they don't feel like people you'd want doing anything to your brain ever. No, I think Ruffalo said you wouldn't even want them painting your house. <laughs> <laughs> these are bad people. And they're idiots, aren't they? They're, they're essentially idiots. Yeah, I mean, they, uh, they get stoned, they jump up and down on his bed while he's in it. Kaufman says that Gondry made these moments way bigger and broader than he'd written them. He mm. thinks they're too comic. He said, I wanted it to be insidious. Okay. Which would have been very different. Mm. What do you think of Patrick? This is my big question. Of of the three, I get Stan, I get Mary. Mm. Patrick, I, I really, I struggle with the character because I, I don't think I've ever been able to fathom whether he is just a bit of a socially awkward nerd mm. or a proper full-blown borderline psychopath yes. creeper. He's, he's the lesser. He's the lesser. Yeah, he's evil. Okay. He's evil. I mean, he starts with stealing her knickers. Yeah. And what he's doing Panties, here... Panties, use the word, Chris, it's far more disturbing. <laughs> Don't say it. <laughs> we, 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 um, <laughs> what was the, what was the thing we said? Do squirrel covers or something, were <laughs> they? Do squirrel covers, were Pretending he can't remember. What was it? I was not used to squirrel covers. I wasn't at Palace on Sunday going, hey, squirrel covers, boy. Uh, but he's doing, we, we touched upon it when we talked about Groundhog Day. There's a dark side to these stories where you're using this ill-gotten information to manipulate someone into bed. Yeah. And it's it's much darker what he's doing in here than even than even Groundhog Day. Um, Yeah, I think it's evil. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you, you lean towards that, certainly. And, He's you know, a predator. If you had to sort of think of the two, you'd always go, worst case scenario, because there's some stuff there that is troubling. But there's some bits like, you know, I guess I guess you're right. Just like the googly eyes when he answers the door and his fascination with how, like, Mary doesn't like him and then he's sort of saying, the- you know, I don't have too much luck with girls. There are moments, and maybe it's because it's Elijah Wood. I was going to say, it's the cast of Elijah yeah. Wood that's doing all that yeah. for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, Elijah Wood, who uh, obviously uh, you know as uh, Frodo uh, from um, yep. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yep. Yes, And thanks. also yeah. uh, as the voice of uh, Wurt in the American TV series Over the Garden Wall. It uh-huh. was an animated show. He voiced Wurt. Right. Uh, another character in it is Auntie Whispers, <laughs> voiced by... Tim Curry! <laughs> and that completes this week's return of the obligatory Tim Curry reference. Very good. Happy birthday, Tim. So. We already mentioned him. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, yeah. This is the, but then I couldn't do the Doesn't really count. convoluted way into him. Um, uh, yeah, I did a lot. Of, you know, 
you know about the Japanese vending machines, girls' panties. If it's uh, true, I, I've, oh no, you told me it's true, didn't you? Didn't you see it? It is. Apparently, I did, I did a bit of a deep dive on it this week. I thought I you went like, to Japan and saw them. No, I never went. To, <laughs> okay. I never saw them in Japan, but, right. I, but I did go looking for them. Just, yeah, of course. Be, just yeah. because you, it's, it fascinates me the idea of buying, being able to buy used women's panties mm-hmm. from a vending machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, I think it speaks to a deep societal malaise. But let's say interesting. Sure. Well, apparently they played up to it. Like there were commercial vending machines mm-hmm. that had all Japanese writing on them that sold knickers, and the only English word on them was used. And the oh, only okay. way this was used, but in Japanese underneath, it was like these are not used. There is a no way these, we would do these, that. These yeah. are not used, <laughs> yeah. and so it was done to sort of basically, like, like this is a myth you want out there. Like, <laughs> hey, if we put used in English, people will think this is, these are used, and, and they we'll, buy them. They will continue this myth of being weird. <laughs> But yeah, uh, apparently they weren't used. Okay. Yeah, can we move on? You can <laughs> buy. You could buy them over the counter. They put a law in place in Japan to stop schoolgirls selling their knickers for money <laughs> to uh, sex shops in Japan. No law can stop that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kaufman particularly likes the character of Patrick. I like characters who feel kind of cr- who do crappy things and betray people. I tend to put them in my script. My, my scripts. I don't know why, except that it interests me. <laughs> So we're going backwards through Joel's memories. Uh, we see the argument that finally tipped Clem over the edge to have Joel erased where he accused her of fucking other people. We've done that. Uh, we discover discover it was Clem put the dent in his car. He chases down the street. We hear things about mm. their life before we see them. When he chased her down the street, did you notice that she's got a leg missing? No. Because I didn't. There's a, there's a documentary, Anatomy of a Scene, and they wanted to show her sort of disappearing. Right. And so it, it's like that Back to the Future where they sort of lose limbs and they disappear from the photo. But yeah, she's hopping on one leg, but you don't see it because it wasn't working. And so that's why the car then drops from the sky, right. which wasn't there before. But yeah, watch that again. And she's she's hopping. Well, I mean, they had a big discussion, didn't they? Gondry and uh, Kaufman had a massive discussion. And Kaufman wrote Clem as the memories uh, get more and more erased, degrade more and more. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted her, Kate Winslet, to play her as like robotic, like bereft of emotion, mm. like because she was no longer really there. So much of her had been erased. She was just like a robot. And um, Gondry said to Kaufman, there's so much emotion in those later scenes where mm. the memories have degraded that much that it will rob it of that if yeah. she's not there. Mm-hmm. So they decided to have her play it straight. So Joel's fighting the procedure. Um, we're getting nicer and nicer memories. The farther back we go, we get that cool shot in Grand Central Station. Mm, awesome. Where people keep disappearing, uh, which is awesome. Uh, this is the part where Joel realises, actually, I'm going to hide Clem in memories she was never in. Yeah. Which is great. Uh, first of all, we get, um, we get baby Joel under the table. This is where I think it's a bit of a cheat. Why? The script, I think, cheats here. So come with me on this. So Clem never turns round to Joel in a memory and says, I'm not me, I'm you. I'm your projection of me. Yeah. Dr. Howard does say it at one point. He goes, and it's he's not even on screen when he says it, he goes, I'm just you. Yes. Uh, you know, I'm not really me. I'm just your memory. Yeah. Clem never says that. I think this whole second part of the film where they're on the run and it's like them together against this procedure, you're never, you believe as the viewer, that's Clem. Yeah. And it's not at all. It's Joel. Joel yeah. is basically talking to sure. himself. Yeah. But that's your problem, not the film's problem. It becomes the film's problem later because how does she know to go to Montauk? Exactly. And that's a huge problem. And you think 
you just let you the film gets away with it because it's so good and it's fine but you assume she's had a similar experience where they've both agreed to the memories of each other to meet in the place that they first met Mm. because otherwise Mm. there's no reason for her to be there Exactly, I, but I think I think you can trace that back through this whole section. I mean, that is a, that is the perfect example. That's the epitome mm. of when it where it all falls apart. But even in these scenes, you are watching Clem and Joel like together, yeah. and it's not. You could very easily have Jim like Joel and Joel in those scenes. Like, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but yeah. it's not really her. Yeah, and yet this still by this still makes you feel like you're watching a couple. Yeah, and you're not. I see that now. I suppose it wouldn't be as joyous. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. No, I, I know what it's done, but it is a tiny little bit of a cheat. Um, and also, I find it weird when she's Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Hamlin mm. uh, and he's baby Joel mm. and she starts going, oh my God, I love this dress. Yeah. This dress and you're like, she was never in this memory in the first place. That feels like a very Clem thing to say. Yes. Not something Joel in that memory, or even yeah. Joel as Clem. To project onto her. Yeah. yeah. Why wouldn't he project on her, her saying something that would sound like something that she'd say? I think you. the film's just asking you, I, I agree with your point, Vicky, about the Montauk thing. I hadn't even thought about that. But the film's just asking you to do extra work. It's not spoon-feeding you the fact that he's talking to himself effectively. Okay, I mean, listen, don't get me wrong, I bought into it. Mm. I just think, you know, when you start scratching at it, you like, does it? it's a little bit like making you think something that isn't really happening on the screen. Then you're not thinking hard enough. <laughs> I think I have bloody hard. Remember I'm getting that, a headache, remember, to be honest. Remember that bit with the van? Wake up, buddy. <laughs> See? That was good. Right, uh, <laughs> right then. Um, I love, can I just say I love the effects as well? I love the um, forced perspective mm. to, to make it look like a child and all the practical effects with the trap doors and the change of clothes and all this stuff done in camera. Yeah. It's just an amazing looking film uh, in this in this sort of stretch. Very little CGI, yeah. Really, it looks. I mean, and that's why I think it's aged so well. You mm. think about movies like that deal with sort of dreams, afterlifey kind of things, like what dreams may come or the Lovely Bones. I remember watching the Lovely Bones and you're like, oh, Peter Jackson knows his CG. What the fuck is that? <laughs> what is that? It's heaven. <laughs> that is awful. <laughs> It's the ugliest CGI I've ever seen. Stop this. Uh, Joel and Clem watched the elephant walk through New York City. They actually filmed at the real-life elephant walk through New York City. Yeah, uh, this girlfriend, the Michelle Gondry girlfriend, uh, was reading Time Out and saw they were going to do this parade to Mm. get the elephants to Madison Square Garden. Which is fascinating. And so they just legged it down there with cameras and shot it. Every year until 2017, the Ringling Brothers and the Barnum Circus had to. There was no other way of getting a shit ton of elephants into Madison Square Garden, so they walked them through New York. They don't do it anymore because of animal rights groups and low-ticket sales, and quite rightly, they're coming back without animals. Good. Good. Dr Howard's wife catches him kissing Mary, and we find out that she's had the procedure done before because this has happened previously. Mm. Um, What is this here for? Is this here to give Mary the agency to send out the tapes at the end because that needs to happen. Because I I, I, I don't know why it's here other than that. It's handy, isn't it? That's a good answer, though. Well, well, you've, you've just answered the question. I think that is part of the reason it's here it's and it works fine. It's a difficult read first time because you're like, why is this hot young girl drawn to this older man as it accomplished happens. as he is? Well, it, what, it, it, it just doesn't happen as I much as man writers to be do. old. <laughs> We're beating them off with a fucking stick. <laughs> So then you watch Clash it. of the titles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember that's that. Alex. Yeah. 
But then it makes sense because you're like, okay, she's drawn to him because she's drawn to him because they had something. So then at first you're like, oh, awesome. That that all that it's, it's not a gross man writer going, well, of course Mary's into him because why wouldn't she be? It's they've got a memory. But then the, the read I wanted was, oh, Howard has been working on a technique where you put something in someone's brain rather than take it out <laughs> because what he puts in her brain... Yeah, gross. Inception. <laughs> yeah. What he puts in Mary's brain is we should have an affair because it's still... It loops around. You're like, oh, why would Mary fancy him? Oh, it, she does because she fancied him anyway. Like, that's that to me is still, a, you know, now, this unrealistic. Isn't, this isn't in the film, uh, but it was shot and it was cut out. It was a deleted scene. You can see where she's listening to her tape and she realises that she had her... She had it, the memory erased because he encouraged her to have an abortion that he got her pregnant. Wow. Jesus. Which takes it to such a much darker place. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad they cut that. But it's interesting. You know, the um, the, the Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, she says the line, it's from this... Mm. Alexander Pope. Yeah, Alexander Pope poem, Eloisa to Abelard. That is about a younger woman being with an older man from 1717, oh, okay. this story. Okay. Uh, and interestingly, that same story uh, is the puppet show that John Cusack does in being John Malkovich. Is it? So it's the second time Charlie Kaufman's so used that. Got a thing. <laughs> yeah, she becomes she becomes pregnant in the story, and she secretly marries. But then she enters a nunnery for safety, and he's outside the nunnery, and he gets castrated. Whoa! And then they, for the rest of their lives, they sort of write to each other, but never see each other again. So th- there's sad, some parallels it? with this this story, and I guess it's also kind of saying to us that for other people, you make the same. She's making the same mistake again. Yeah. By falling for him again, just like these two are making the same mistake by falling for each other again, and that I think it's sort of there to to suggest that you know maybe we are just like magnets that we can't yeah. help ourselves. Yeah. Was the castrated guy like asking her to see him again, and she's like, "No, there's no point." <laughs> well, the thing is, you're kind of lost. The... <laughs> you've, you've been castrated. Yeah, I would love to, yeah. but uh... <laughs> what day? Busy. What day? Busy. <laughs> Have you got a brother? <laughs> She's a bride of Christ now, Alex. She's a bride of Christ. Uh, uh, we're nearing the end now. Uh, most of the memories are totally erased. We get the cool shot again, done practically, of the books in Barnes and Noble, all plain without their covers. And we're right back at their first meeting when Clem breaks into a stranger's house. I'd have run away like Fuck Joel me. did. I would. You wouldn't be see me for dust. You. Everyone wants to be Clem in that moment, and no one is Clem in that moment. No. Certainly not anyone in this room. Even Every, when you're I was always younger. like, you're always like, oh, it'd be cool. Yeah, let's yeah. just do it. Great. I mean, there's oh, no one in here. Yeah, I'm crazy. I'm so impulsive. <laughs> and, and really, you'd be like, Fuck are you that. fucking joking? What an idiot. <laughs> how, how how fit is she? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're the one breaking into the house. Yeah. So you're the fit one. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's am, I, am I up for it? <laughs> <laughs> and as Vicky quite rightly pointed out, the last words, meet me at Montauk. Okay, mm. but that's just Joel telling Joel. <laughs> uh, we see the house washed away by the sea. Uh, again, practical effects. They built a corner of a house and carried it down to the water. Oh, I didn't know that. And when I say they... I mean, Michelle Gondry hired a special team to carry into two feet of water, mm. in his words, and they said, no, it's too dangerous. And so he fired them on the spot <laughs> right. and got the cast and the production team to carry it into the water. Uh, and then he was reprimanded by the head of the union on set. Yes. But uh, in Michelle Gondry's words, he was like, I got my satisfaction. I called them pussies. <laughs> <laughs> Toxic masculinity. He really does get up to all sorts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, um, I, I, I actually wrote it here, you know, the Montauk thing, you know, meet me in Montauk. You're either sold on this movie or you're not at this point. Yeah, it doesn't and matter. you just sort of, I, I think, you, if, you, if you're not enjoying it, you're like, bullshit. And if yeah. you are, you're like, cool, 
They're going to meet in Montauk. And we've caught up with ourselves in the timeline now. Uh, we're back where the movie began. And uh, we reveal that Mary sent out the tapes to everyone in Lacuna. Um, this, oh, I should have put it down as my change, but I've got another change. This really, really annoys me. So you want a reason for why Mary has decided to send out these tapes. Sure, her relationship went sour with Howard. She found out she'd had this procedure done on her. But that's still a big reach to then go, everyone else probably feels the same as me. So I'm going to send it out to those people, people who might be a hell of a lot happier mm. having had this procedure done. And she actually says there's narration when they're in the car and the cassette is in and you hear Mary basically say her reason for doing it. And she says, my reason is that since I decided and then Clem talks over her and you cannot make out why what she says. It literally goes over and in order to correct this are her last words yeah. <laughs> and you don't hear the segment of why she goes, the reason I did this is right. to correct this. I think that's fun. Yeah, you know, that's like great. That. It's, but you're cheating. I get, but it's like, any, I think someone, you know, you look at this movie and you go, but why would you do that, Mary? And mm. it actively well, there's won't two, tell there's you. There's two things going on. Either she thinks that it's the right thing to do mm. or she wants revenge on her former lover who made her get an abortion and then wiped her memory. Or she thinks the process doesn't work. It obviously doesn't work. So she's just telling people so they can like get in front of it. Put one of those in the narration there. <laughs> Ambiguity, Alex. Kaufman doesn't give you answers. I want answers though, Chris. That's how I work. Black and white, not this grey area. So they hear the tapes about each other. Face acting. Lots yeah. of good face acting <laughs> while true. while the tapes are being played. <laughs> is it my bias or so? This is a brilliant section where it's like or listing all the things they hate about each mm. other. I can't remember what they are, but the things that she's listing about him seem quite innocuous, and then he's listing stuff about her later, and it's vicious. Or have I just mis have I got a bias when I'm? I think you've got a bias. Okay, I felt it was Even. level pegging. I'll be interested or to see. We heard more of hers, didn't we? We heard more of hers, and I think. I think we only got the start of his tape. I feel like you probably get worse as you go on <laughs> yeah. when you get into your stride. Right, okay. And I think also she did it first, yes. which I think counts for something because he's obviously in a, a state of like heightened anger, like upset when he's recording his because he's found out that... she's done it to him first. I don't think I agree with you because it's not a procedure he's aware even exists. So her making the decision to do it isn't like this thing we all know exists. You chose to do this horrible thing. She does it. The minute he finds out about it, he does it. But you can't be angry for someone getting the jump on you for something you didn't know about. Do you know what I mean? No, but I think when he's recording the tape, he can't believe that oh, yeah, that's true. she's like, Done it. Just done it. Yeah, he's okay. doing it out of more bitterness, isn't it? Whereas with her, I think it's just sort of been a steady build-up of... Mm. She yes. did it because she's impulsive. She probably did it for a lark to appointments. Oh, that's not a lark. That's <laughs> uh, not a lark. So, uh, right then. Two alternate endings that weren't used. Uh, Jim Carrey said uh, Kaufman's favoured ending was that they didn't end up together. Joel walks away. Uh, another version, Gondry said he discussed with Kaufman, would have had a final twist in which it would have been revealed the entire story was taking place inside Clementine's mind. Mm. Don't understand that. Not me neither. <laughs> they decided uh, the, the film would have been entirely about Clementine's projection of Joel and not Joel's organic growth. Okay. Which, all right, fine. Um, 
Uh, but they went with what Gondry calls the happy ending. Joel and Clementine deciding to stay together despite their flaws and the possibility things could fall apart all over again. So my reading of this ending has changed. Let's do yours. Uh, mine is, I like Gondry. The first two times I saw it was like, it's a happy ending. They've decided, you know, something to do with like every relationship has problems, but love finds a way and they've decided to get back together. I actually think now Kaufman has snuck in an even bleaker ending that if Joel walked away, which is that, and I do think it's thoroughly depressing, because memory and regret and all of the knowledge that they ascertained in that relationship is vital and actually it's proof that they shouldn't really be together mm. because they erased that, both of them. And even though they've heard the tapes, because they don't have that lived experience in their heads, they are now destined to say the same mistakes over again. So I think it's quite a depressing ending. I think it's both. They are destined to make the same mistakes and they don't care. Because mm, they've got free will. They're making the decision with all yeah. the information com- They are totally doomed. They are doomed. They're too different. Um, but they're going to go for it anyway because you can't help yourself. You There's millions of things we all do all the time that we know we shouldn't and we do because we yeah. want to. They're mm. opening themselves up to this heartache again because they think it's worth taking the chance. So that's the happy ending, but I do fear they'll end up doing this a hundred more times, which is the sad ending. Yeah. Which is brilliant because you can see it, it. Either thing can happen. Yeah. And both could happen. Indeed. Indeed. And I think really that is what it is. It's an open-ended ending up for interpretation depending on how cynical or optimistic a person you are. Mm. Sure. I'm done. We live in this world now, though, don't we? Since this film came out, social media has exploded mm. and you can erase someone from your vision, from your periphery, from your life yeah. by deleting them and their accounts. You see people all the time and then they can be gone like that, which you couldn't do in Eternal Sunshine. Usually by going, I've decided to get rid of all the toxic people in my life, so I'm sorry uh, I've deleted you. <laughs> uh, that happened if, to you? If you're receiving this message, it means you're not a toxic person, so you're still getting my Instagrams, but... <laughs> You know, is that a real thing? This is a real thing. This is a real thing that <laughs> this people is why do. I'm not using fucking Instagram. I don't want that message. I, I've literally read those exact words. If you're getting this, it means that you're still uh, in my friendship group uh, okay, because cool. what I've done is, you know, had a big clear out all the toxic people in my life. People fucking that uh, word. How did you make the cut? Fucking <laughs> <laughs> missed so the toxic surprised. over there. <laughs> That's it. And you say you've had more than one of these messages. <laughs> I, I'm it's shocking to me. I read it on Nettie's Instagram. Yeah, fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> no, no one would send that to me. Uh, and weirdly, I had been friends with that person as well. <laughs> Where have they gone? <laughs> have they left Instagram? <laughs> well, where are they? Uh, all right then, let's do the bits, or as I'm calling them this week. The memories. Oh, that's nice. Uh, so, best scene, Chris. Um, I love the concepts. I love the visuals. But for me, it's it's a bit of dialogue actually, and it's that ending where they both have listened to the tapes, trying to figure out what to do, and they just both say okay. Um, because I think most films would have had a big speech here, but here it's just a word, and they leave the rest to us. And I find it very moving when they both say okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm the opposite in that I like it when the house falls apart. It's just that everything comes together in that moment. Did, awesome. it, did you cheer, cheer you up that no Michelle Gondry was standing on a beach calling, uh, calling union. the union workers yeah. pussies? Busting up a union. You're pussies, yeah. you're fired. I bet he <laughs> yeah. was at quite a distance saying that to union <laughs> yeah. workers because they're going to kick the shit out of you. Oh my God, teamsters, fucking hell. Yeah, you are pussies. If you say it in French, it's softer though. I'm sorry. Yeah. What? what was that? Oh, uh, I said you are pussies. Why are you running, Michelle? <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine is uh, Toddler Carey under the table with yeah, Mrs. Hamlin. Uh, I just love that scene and I'll come back to it 
in my change. Uh, MVW, Vicky. It's the aesthetic of Michel Gondry, which mm. I know is a bit of a big thing. I'm not mad on the casting of this film for either role. I just find it a bit... I know it was a big ticket thing at the time because you're like, oh, look, Jim Carrey's going to be super serious. And as much as I love Kate Winslet, I just find it a bit jarring. Um, it might be the character, it might, I don't know, but Kate Winslet can do anything, so I don't know. I just find it a bit too, look what we did, kind of thing. Mm. But the aesthetic of him generally, but also within this film, it's. I think it's the. It's like dreams made real, isn't it? And you feel like you're in a dream, which you're supposed to, but it feels like it's real. So when you, you know, when you have like a lucid dream, which is like the best treat in the world and hardly ever happens, that's that's as close as film comes. I think the way that he does those weird drifty moments, and then the house falls apart, stuff like that. I just the whole thing. I didn't realize that he uh, he was. He, uh, Outdid the Wachowskis. He did Bullet Time before the Wachowskis. Oh yeah, it was the, the, the Smirnoff the, advert. Yeah, the, was it the Chiller Man or mm, the no, Man. no, no, no. <laughs> this is another one. Uh, I don't know if it was even screened here. I watched it on YouTube, but it's literal Bullet Time. Someone fires a bullet at a guy coming through a door, and the camera swishes around him, nice. just like Bullet Time in 1996 as well. Chris, what's your MVW? Well, uh, I'm cheating and having two people this week for my most valuable whatever because. This film so split between the DNA of Charlie Kaufman and Michelle Gondry that you can't pick one over the other. Mm. It'd be like picking one Cohen brother. This really is, you know, you, Ethan. You've got the optimist and the pessimist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, the experiment. <laughs> Rob. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite good. Uh, yeah, just the innovation, the experimentation, this, these incredible visuals. Uh, Kaufman and Gondry together. Okay, uh, I'm sort of using this as an opportunity. Not just uh, I do really, really love him, but also I told you on the Sonic episode that I was a huge Jim Carrey fan, and yet I hated his performance in Sonic. I really like him in this. I, I think it's I, I, it's great when I just love the I love the character. I love his eyes. I love his face. I love him doing crazy carry in tiny little moments here and there just the way he kicks the duvet off the bed mm. or where he's having fun playing baby joel uh so jim carrey's my mvw and finally what would you change chris you, now you've brought up that montauk thing i'm now thinking about that and that maybe it needs to i mean it's i'm, I'm trying to get my head around is this a, just a big hole in the in the plot or is it are, would they both naturally be drawn back to the place that they met each other is only it only if she had regrets Mm. If she was fine, she wouldn't, would she? The way I've reasoned it out is the fact, like I said at the very start of the episode, because she's had Patrick for 24 hours mm. in her ear, oh, being Joel, using Joel's words, yeah. literally trying to recreate every experience yeah, that, that she had sense. with Joel, she is clearly, because of that, back thinking about Joel yeah. and like being exposed to Joel's, like the life she had with Joel. Which is a reason for her to be in. Well, he should make, sense, Patrick yeah. should maybe say, "Why don't we go to Montauk?" Well, she actually st she suggested. Oh, I get confused because there's a two or three places they go to. No, she it? does suggest it, but then they decide to go to the frozen lake instead. Right. So she does oh, actually yeah. say it to true. Patrick. Yeah. Mm. So that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. Cool. I don't know what I've said, right, but Vicky. <laughs> So my first change was, let's meet Naomi. Uh, so me and Charlie Kaufman think exactly the same thing. So we can get the measure of the man because, and this is probably on purpose, but when Clem says to him, for a man that walks around with a journal, I know nothing about you. And that's true. We know nothing about him. His memories. So when he's like, I'm going to bury you in a memory and I'm going to bury you in shame and I'm going to bury you in humiliation. And you think, oh, brilliant. This is going to be something super personal. How weird is this going to be? How awful is this going to be? And his two memories of shame and humiliation are extremely generic. 
So he gets caught by his mum having a crafty wank. Mm. And he does, I mean, the thing he does with the bird is obviously horrific, but a lot of us have a memory where we were coerced or persuaded to do something with our childhood friends that we deeply regret. And it's always something a bit weird and a bit off kilter. So to me, these, those two memories, they, they're not personal to him. They, they would make anyone feel shame and humiliation. So why don't we have two memories that are really unusual and like a, like a human being would be like, this is my shame doesn't connect with your shame, but this is what I feel ashamed of rather than insert generic shame memory here. Let's hear it then, Vicky. I'll Come give on. over. What's yours? Come on, Vicky. Seriously. Absolutely not. Come on, Vicky. We're all friends. No. It's my first show back. No it's, one's listening. It's buried so deep that it would take so much booze to loosen it. So let's just leave that where it is. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what I mean? And so Naomi is a thing that's like, oh, now I'd get to see what you're like, Joel, because Naomi will tell me who you are a little bit more because of who she, she presumably is the opposite to Clem. So I just think we, I need to know more about who he is, but I understand that the filmmakers might not want me to know anything more about him. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like Chris said. I think I think that was the conversation they had, that the idea of Naomi would distract from Clem and yeah. sort of be like analysing Joel's relationship it, with Naomi. And it does make him seem like a much worse person because he is with Naomi when he leaves her for oh, Clem. Oh, yeah, of course yeah. he is. Yeah. Which seeing that is a bit less pleasant. Yeah. Or, but is it because, you know... Considering who Joel is, the fact that he did leave someone, he'd been provided with that security and he still left them for Clem. It makes, you know, like his attraction to Clem and his love for Clem and what have you, you know, more powerful than they if he'd been single when he met It makes his comment, he's like, oh, you fuck up everyone or whatever it is, or I'm going to catch you with someone else. It's like, but you, maybe you did that, which is why you project onto that mm. memory. That's something you're ashamed of. Mm. So you, you're shouting the things at her that you know that you are kind of thing. Mine is kind of related to yours, but as we'll discover for a very different reason, uh, I do wish the film had spent more time with that wonderful conceit of trying to hide Clem in memories that she wasn't part of. Like the uh, humiliation, shame, baby Joel, those scenes. I think that that's such a fun idea yeah. where you can just sort of go, right, I'm going to go to this memory. And it can be anything. It could be something serious. It could be to do with Naomi. It could be like that. Or it could just be the most ridiculous memory. Yeah. Perhaps not killing a dead bird, for example. Yeah. But the reason that I love that is because it reminds me, that brief section of the film reminds me of when they're channel hopping and yes! stay tuned. Oh, my God, yes! <laughs> yeah. Yes! I'm, like, I'm just like, like I want that. I want a move. I, God, I, you're so right. I just want lots and lots of that. Like them going, bing, we're here. What memory is this, Joel? Yeah. Oh, my God, this is where... Da, 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 da. It'd be fun, mm. so much fun. And also, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, right then, that's uh, us done. Which means it's quiz time. Yay. I say yay. I mean, I felt so relaxed for three weeks. Yeah. There was, oh, there was right. no quiz for three weeks. Good. I mean, there was there was kind of a quiz, wasn't there? Be so you, did, you asked me one question. You might have picked up a point while I Alex was got, away. I don't know what a point means. Does it mean in the tally? Or, yeah, well, okay. I don't know. It's 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 in my notes. Yeah. It's whether it counts. Oh, you're a you're manipulative. <laughs> well, it's... We, we, it, it just feeds I'm not manipulative, it, Vicky. It's, this is the first time Alex is hearing this. Okay. Feeds into the end of the year. I don't want to keep all, secret. It's all very vague. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, keep I'm secret. Really should. I'm gonna uh, thank you to listener Aaron who went through every episode last year and counted the wins to prove I won. How good are your memories? My memory's excellent. Okay, so I'm going to try something. This might not work. That wasn't so, part of the quiz. 
I win. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna list you some Clash of the Titles that we've done in the past, and I want you to tell me which film won because I can never remember which. Oh, you will though, because you bear a grudge like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the only ones I remember. The ones where I bear a grudge. So I've tried to pick ones where I don't think anyone bears a grudge. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because okay. there are some memorable ones that get brought up time after time. Yeah. This is great. I'm looking forward. You ready? This, okay. this might be my favourite quiz I say in advance of not winning. <laughs> well, let's do it quick fire as well. Okay, We're cool. going to pass through. We've right, got go. ten here. Uh, Alex, uh, Congo v Rampage. Uh, Rampage. Congo won. Oh, my God! Uh, Vicky, uh, The Fog v The Mist. The Fog. The Mist won. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're back in. We're Alex, back in. Ravenous v Bone Tomahawk. Flipping it. Ravenous. Bone Tomahawk no. one. <laughs> <laughs> Vicky. Vicky. Scrooged versus Muppet Christmas Carol. Scrooged. The Muppets one. Uh, <laughs> Alex. Alex. Christmas Prince versus Princess Switch. Oh, oh for that's impossible. Christmas Switch versus... The, what was what's the, what are they called again? Christmas Prince versus Princess Switch. You can take your time on this one. The Princess Switch. Correct. Yeah! Well done. <laughs> Amazing. That's the, the first one you got. <laughs> All of them. Uh, Vicky, this is the end versus the world's end. I th- you two like. Th- I think you went for the world's end. This is the end one. <laughs> <laughs> I was gutted. I bought. I bought the grudge, and I knew you wouldn't remember. Yeah. Uh, Alex, Dracula versus Interview with the Vampire. Oh, God. That's hard. Jeez. <laughs> we, we did do this. I remember On the podcast. It. Dracula. It was Interview with the Vampire. Oh, my God. <laughs> See, I picked ones where I bear the crutch. I was pissed off this about that. This is impossible. Uh, Vic, it's not impossible. We've literally done the podcast. Li- you've literally voted These in this. These are facts. Uh, Commando versus Taken. Oh, Commando. Correct. Oh, oh my God. Thank God. Uh, two left. And it's 1-1. One, one. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Alex, Waterworld versus Aquaman. Holy shit, that's hard. That's really hard. That is hard. Waterworld. Correct. Oh, well done. Vicky, you need no, this. What? Take it to a tiebreaker. What interesting pairing. Surely Waterworld <laughs> goes with Mad Max Fury Road. <laughs> it does up that. We've established that. Uh, Vicky, yep. Hand That Rocks the Cradle versus Single White Female. Oh, fucking hell. The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Correct. Oh, thank God. Okay, so, tiebreaker. Yeah. Do you remember when we did Crash of the Titles when I stuck two titles together? Yes. This is, we're doing one of those. I'm going to ask you both at the same time. Whoever says it f- correctly first wins. Okay. okay, but if you say it incorrectly, do you have to go silent or do you get... Yeah, I think you should go silent. So, so keep get... stum until you've got it right, right because you'll start shouting out words. I know you will. And is it something we've done? Yes. You're about to hear. Okay. So the, uh, these so-called romantic comedies are two films we did a few weeks ago against each other and they fit together. Are you... What? That's the clue. What? They're two romantic comedies we did a few weeks ago. Was I here? Yes. <laughs> okay. And their titles fit together if you put them in the right order. My God, I should. I really what should know this. We don't do them very often, and it's always at my insistence. So you think I would know? It is. Wait. Romantic comedies that we've done. Yeah, about five weeks ago, four weeks ago. From the 90s. Oh, I do know. Okay, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Wait, wait, wait. Don't wait, shout wait, wait, it out. Wait, wait. My best, my best friend's wedding planner. Correct, Vicky, oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Well played, Vicky. I've been away too long. I've been away too long. I'm off my game. I'm off the game. Off Excellent. Game. Oh. Well done. That was fun. That was good. 
can't believe how little we know about our own show. <laughs> That's shocking. What, you, what I can't be asked to do, but what I bet you a, a thousand percent has just happened is we've just said the ones that we voted for, <laughs> irrespective. That's what's happened. Uh, well played, Vicky. All right, and that's your lot for this week. But before we go, Alex, do you have a clue for the lovely listener? I certainly do. My pick's next week. And your clue is the boy who lived versus the man who ran. The boy who lived versus the man who ran. Mm. And that really is your lot. Uh, if you like what you heard, there are buttons that you can press to show your appreciation wherever you get your podcasts. While if you follow us on Instagram, there are fun videos. And Twitter will feature an additional clue if you want to play along. We're at Clash Pod in both places. For now, thanks for listening. And we'll be back on Thursday with 500 Days of Summer. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.